If Sergeant Can't Get Right is leading your combat mission, you might be fucked. Okay, baby. I gotta tell you, I am really excited to talk about Overlord. I have um, seen this movie two times, and if you can tell by the tone of my voice, I think this is a remarkable little gem. And uh, I I had no idea what to expect uh, going into this movie. I knew very little about this movie. I, I don't even think I'd seen a preview. So long story short, and if you listen to the Science Fiction Film Podcast, you probably already know this story, but I'm not sure. Essentially, what we have is this. I was in Florida in November, and while I was in Florida in November, I was there with my Uncle Mike, whom you've heard me discuss, I don't even know how many times at this point. And uh, uh, his friend Dave was there, and uh, we were thinking about what we were going to do on one of these nights before we went down to uh, this little beach thing. It was cool. We went down and uh, and, uh, stayed at this hotel where they had a sandcastle competition that's put on by a friend of the family, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we had a night off, and we weren't sure what to do um, ahead of all these festivities down south, and we decided to go to the movies. And um, my uncle Mike said, what about Overlord? You guys want to see Overlord? And I said, I don't even know what that is. And um, and he's like, "It's uh, oh, it's like a World War II kind of horror film. I was like, whoa, really? Awesome. Never even seen a fucking preview. So I had no idea what to expect going into this. I was thinking, all right, this will just be kind of a fun popcorn throwaway sort of bullshit movie. And in the fun of it, the novelty will be, I'm going to the movies in Florida with my uncle and his friend. And that's just kind of cool. Um, I haven't watched a movie in Florida in 20 something years. God knows I haven't been to a theater down there in a long time. I hadn't flown down there in a long time. That was a whole big thing. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. Let's do it. Let's go see it. I could have gone to see anything, to be honest with you. I was in such high spirits, which I will admit um, would, would, would 100% color my opinion of this film. Um, but but fast forward to February 21st, 2019. Actually, I watched this on watched this on Tuesday. And um, it I watched it again. And I'm going to tell you right now, I really dug Overlord. You know, when I saw it in the theater down in Florida, we were only a few of us in the movie theater. It had been out for a while. And I was drawn to this movie immediately. It held my attention. It stayed in its lane. It is a tight screenplay that wastes no time. It's about an hour and 50 minutes long. And at about the 55-minute mark on a rewatch uh, today, or excuse me, on Tuesday, I was thinking to myself, wow, we're already 55 minutes into this movie. As opposed to a lot of times when you watch a movie that's not entertaining you, you were forced to say, wow. I am only 55 minutes into the movie. So uh, being 55 minutes in, feeling like it was a breeze through that time was wonderful. And it was such a pleasant surprise. Uh, spoiler, I really like this movie. And I might even say I love this movie. We'll have to see at the end of this little 30-minute episode here what I truly think of it. But it was a very pleasant surprise. So just some of the technical pieces of Overlord, of course, uh, directed by Julius Avery. Now, Julius Avery is um, somebody I had never heard of, and that probably makes sense because he has only done in terms of feature films. He did Son of a Gun, Overlord, and apparently he's going to be doing Flash Gordon. 
So apparently they're going to be doing a Flash Gordon. And uh, Flash Gordon, meaning the, um, the, the science fiction Flash Gordon. So a remake of that, pretty wild, which is kind of interesting because that's what led George Lucas to make Star Wars. How's that for cool little trivia? George Lucas wanted to direct Flash Gordon very badly, and he didn't get an opportunity to do that, so he made Star Wars and said, fuck you, I'll do my own thing. And uh, here we are all these years later with a Flash Gordon reboot, which some people might be upset about. Eh, I don't really care. Um, um, I am interested in, as to how that will go. And um, I think Julius Avery has an eye for cinema. I think, I think that genre is something he can pull off after watching Overlord. I mean, we'll see. Uh, it's tough to say. But enough about that. Enough about Flash Gordon. Enough about Julius Avery, as there's not much to say other than I think he did a great job with this movie. In the cast, you know, I'm trying to place the main character. Jovan Adepo plays uh, Boyce, B-O-Y-C-E. He is actually in The Leftovers, and he is the son of, uh, of uh, Michael there. I'm, I'm trying to remember his name in, uh, in The Leftovers. But if you haven't seen Leftovers, it was a short-lived three-season television show on HBO that was uh, pretty cool. And uh, this young man was in it. He played a kid. He played a high school kid. I think he's probably fairly young, but he's from England, Oxfordshire. And uh, I thought he did a good job. Um, a, a real surprise standout for me was a, a man named Wyatt Russell. Uh, Wyatt Russell uh, is in this movie and he plays Ford, which is a corporal who is in charge of this whole thing. And I don't want to get too much into spoilers, um, just to tell you that uh, a sergeant can't get right doesn't last long, sad to say. <laughs> and, if, and if you're like, what the fuck does he mean by, by can't get right? Well, can't get right is a character that was played by Bokeem Woodbine way back in the day. I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. And it's an Eddie Murphy film. And I believe it came out in the 90s at some point. It had to be maybe... Boy, maybe late 80s, early 90s, it's called Life. And uh, Can't Get Right kind of became this, this parlance. <laughs> so it is, uh, it's basically, uh, you know, if you want to call somebody uh, retarded without actually saying it. That's, that's essentially what became of the film Life and the character Can't Get Right. And uh, Can't Get Right is essentially um, the sergeant in this. But no, he's great. Bokeem Woodbine, I know I bust his chops because Can't Get Right is a hilarious name for a character to start in a, in a hilarious movie. Eddie Murphy's hilarious in that movie. But, um, but he's fucking awesome. He's in it for a very short amount of time. Um, he doesn't make it. That's the one spoiler I'll give you. But it happens pretty quick, so don't get your hopes up. But as far as the rest of the spoilers go, I'm not going to get too much into the spoilers. As you know, I don't love doing that with a lot of these because then when you do that, it's tough to explain a spoiler out of context because then it almost takes up discussing the plot in its entirety. And obviously the show is not about that. This is just quick surface level thoughts on the, on the film. But anyway, back to the cast. Yeah, so those are your, your, your two main dudes. Then you have, uh, I think it's Matilda Olivier. She plays Chloe, which is this uh, woman who plays a, a French girl because it's Operation... By the way, Overlord comes from Operation Overlord. I'm not sure if, if that's... I don't know if that's a, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's obvious to people, but essentially, you know, Operation Overlord was um, the Battle of Normandy, right? The Allied operation as uh, they were going into German-occupied Western Europe, of course, notably France. 
And uh, this is what you see a lot in Band of Brothers, a lot of the Operation Overlord stuff, easy company parachuting uh, behind enemy lines to take out the uh, the 88s that are uh, making it hard to land on the beach because they have the artillery just blasting the beach. So um, these gentlemen are are parachuting in to take out those guns to make the beach landing a little bit earlier. And that's that's where Overlord comes from, Operation Overlord. And they just dropped the operation part and named it Overlord, which I think was a good choice. And uh, what we're doing is we're following, I believe it's supposed to be Easy Company or at least 101st Airborne, guys. I don't know if it's Easy Company, but they're following this 101st Airborne as they drop in. And uh, we get this very kinetic open um, we get the we we set the mood right away with just the sound of what's going to happen. You know, it's very much a cold open. Um, I am becoming increasingly and increasingly fond of cold openings. In fact, I'm even introducing them into my own podcasts. Um, but it has here. Let me cue up a little audio track. You'll see what I mean by setting the stage. You are about to embark upon the Great Crusade. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe. I have full confidence in your skill in battle. So that, right, that immediately puts you there, doesn't it? You see the planes, you see the massive naval task force, uh, forces, plural, uh, the fleet, so to speak, as they approach um, the, uh, as they approach Europe. And we see these shots of these young men in a plane and they're paratroopers and they're ready to go. And, you know, you got guys, John backing forth, back and forth. And, you know, this stuff is all largely generic. There's not a lot of exploration into the characters. If I, if I had one, one major negative, and it's not even major, if I had one nitpick to be perfectly frank about the film, it's just that we have characters who are relatively unexplored. Um, that's not to say they don't have potential, but they're relatively unexplored, unexplored. You have sort of, um, the Jewish dude, you have the, the wise cracking, uh, Italian guy. He seems like he's from Brooklyn or something like that. He, he's the, you know, it's, it's very reminiscent of, it's echoes of band of brothers, right? It's echoes of, of, uh, of those men. Um, these guys are all seemingly feeling a little bit younger. Um, they seem, they seem a little bit more like actors than than you would think of them as soldiers, unlike Band of Brothers, which really felt like you were watching guys cast as true soldiers, right? I think Wyatt Russell is probably the most convincing combat veteran. We know that he spent time in Italy. We learn that about his character. Of course, his character being Ford, he's the corporal. He becomes the man in charge once they get down on the ground and, and uh, Sergeant can't get right is slain by the Nazis. But um, yeah, I mean, it's so I, I dig it, but I would say that's where you find it a little weaker. Just, just some of these guys, but it's okay. You know, it serves its purpose. It's an ensemble cast. It's an hour and 40 some odd minutes. Um, as I've already stated, we don't have time like the bat, like the band of brothers miniseries to kind of cover all these characters and, and to even compare it to band of brothers is, 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 is outrageous. Band of brothers, of course, uh, very much taken upon true accounts of interviews done by, I believe Stephen Ambrose was the author. So, not a fair comparison, but a comparison nonetheless. So we have these guys in this plane and we set the stage and we are immediately pulled in. And if you saw it in the theater, like I did on the first viewing, you're immediately pulled into, wow, Operation Overlord, 
cool. We have these guys on a plane. They're all jawing back and forth at each other. Um, the Boyce character, which you would say is 100% our main character, is uh, seemingly not cut out for combat like some of these other guys. He seems like a softer and kinder man, right? Uh, more conscientious, as it were, and, um, and compared to some of the other guys uh, in the unit. And they start approaching the landing zone and they start taking flack and it's nighttime and it's chaos. And, and I'll tell you, you forget you're watching what's going to end up becoming a horror film. It really is a horror film. You would say it's probably a survival horror if you want to get into subgenre uh, cuteness. You would almost say that. But I'll tell you, it is, you know, you know when you think of a horror movie, you don't really think of a giant combat scene involving small arms fire in a World War II setting. You don't, you don't, you think, I guess what I'm trying to say here is you assume they're going to skimp out on this a little bit, but they really don't. I mean, to show the plane taking flak, to show guys getting blown apart, taking uh, uh, anti-aircraft fire up through the belly of the plane, guys getting blown in half. I mean, you feel like you could be watching a deleted scene out of Saving Private Ryan outside of like the color and saturation and stuff, you know, not, not specifically in terms of composition of the shot, but just as in what you're seeing technically speaking from a, from a carnage standpoint, from an intensity standpoint, you almost feel like you could be pulling something out of that as the planes break through the clouds and, uh, and the, and they just start getting shot at in the chaos that, that erupts as these men parachute down into France. It is fucking wild. And I think they did a good job. And then you start to get along the way these little clues that things aren't right. But, you know, as much as it is a horror movie, as much as it does have that, the moments where these men are engaged in combat you know, there's this uh, moment where the main character goes into the water. He barely gets out of the water. He cuts his chute loose. Of course, the, they're all scattered all over the place because of the fire they took and the planes going down. And And we know this happened in real life, right? The the um, I'm not sure if it was expected or not, but, but a lot of these paratroopers got scattered all over. A lot of units got dispersed across the countryside and uh, had to rally up and figure out where they were. And and you really get a sense for that here. And there's this moment where gunfire erupts across this clearing from a tree line and there's tracer ammo and you go, whoa. And it's just, you, it, you feel, it feels intense. I have, I want my, anytime you start dealing with lethal combat in an action film or any film for that matter, I really want it to feel intense. I want the gunfire to be loud. I want the, the situation to seem dire when these guys are under fire. And, uh, and I want to hear it. I want, I am a sound editing guy. I want to hear the gunfire. I want to see the muzzle flash. I want to watch the shell casings. If you listen to me rant on the Walking Dead podcast, you know what I'm talking about, right? I think back to the film Dunkirk, where there's this opening moment where gunfire erupts on these guys who are just walking. And I saw that in IMAX, and it was so loud. You go, you fucking duck in the theater. And uh, that's what I want. And we get a little bit of that in this, right? We get a little bit of that. They, they, don't, they don't skimp out. And I think that that's really cool. And essentially, the, the, the long and short of the Overlord story is these guys parachute in. They move themselves to a French village. Um, they find that this French village is near this castle. Their true mission is taking out this antenna in this castle, 
which is used to uh, coordinate some resistance efforts um, on the beach. They get rid of the tower. It makes the landing a little bit easier. So this is their mission. And, and, uh, and it's not on a castle. It's on a giant church. It just is castle-like, I guess. And uh, they're supposed to drop in and destroy. So that's the mission. Well, come to find out, the, the Nazis that control this area are running experiments on the local population of this small French town. That's where the Chloe character comes into it. She's just a, I guess you'd say a village girl, woman, who lives here, and uh, her family's wrapped up in this. But, but what we do in terms of execution in this movie that I love is that, first of all, we get a lot of great cinematic moments. There's a lot of great shots in this movie of soldiers moving across the French countryside at night, um, under moonlight, through the forest. Uh, and, it, and it works. It just set, sets tension. And then we get these little clues along the way. So first of all, when we meet Chloe, she runs. She doesn't know who these soldiers are. There's some tension. Next, they need to sneak to this village. So they move through the village through rubble. So it's not just, I guess what I want to say here is that, is that this movie contains action. It contains tension as they have to sneak around. <clears throat> Moments where they find a weird animal corpse. What's that? Oh, I don't know. It looks like a jackal. And one of the guys is like, I've never seen a jackal with fucking hoofs before. What, what do you mean a jackal? And they start seeing weird things as, as they go. And this ratchets up the tension. It makes us realize that things are not as they seem. But what's awesome about this movie is that the attention to detail as far as these soldiers, as far as these airborne guys go, is really cool. The way they, the way they go about moving through this village, the way they start coming upon these things, but they never really, until it gets bananas, which it does, they never really break out of, okay, here's the mission. We're hardened World War II guys. This is what we need to do. But we realize that we have tension along the way. Tension of, ooh, what's this animal? Whoa, that's so weird. What's this animal corpse? Then we get these moments of character building and discussion. And, um, and, and, and I think we get, we get to come up for air quite a bit in this movie. And that's one of the things I like about it. It's not just all combat. It's not just all horror. It's not just all anything. It is just a well-executed thing that moves from different types of actions into other types of actions. And when I say action, I don't necessarily mean the chaotic kind. I mean just the action of two characters having a conversation, just the tension of watching as you sneak into this village, watching a a, a family that apparently did something wrong, the husband get dragged out into the street and executed. And these guys have to watch. They can't break cover. They shoot the wife. They shoot the husband. You go, holy shit, wow. And, um, and, they, and they have to take it. They have to hide up in this attic as they figure out how are they going to get to the church? How are they going to do what they need to do? What's, this, what's the plan here? We're scattered about. We have to think on our feet. And... It just kind of goes from there. We introduce, you know, a little kid. We get to humanize these guys a little bit as they interact with a kid. And then we introduce our main bad guy. Because let's be real, we have a main bad guy. And uh, he, his name is Waffner. That's the name of the character. Played by Pilo Asbake. I don't know if I'm saying it right. He's from Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, born in 1982. He's in Ghost in the Shell. 
Um, he is uh, he is the guy who plays Euron Greyjoy in Game of Thrones, which is really cool. I don't know if you're familiar with Game of Thrones or if you're familiar with the character of Euron Greyjoy. Ton of personality. And wow, he's a son of a bitch in that and he's a son of a bitch in this, but a very different type of son of a bitch. And that's one of the coolest things about the Waffner character. He has a bit of a quiet menace to him. He's, in, he's imposing, he's tall. He, he is essentially the, the Nazi commander. I have no idea what rank he is, but he's an SS uh, in charge of this whole operation here. And he has this little family under his boot heel and he is a sociopath and he... We know that Chloe is somebody that he routinely rapes, right? Um, he, he essentially is like, oh, well, well, I guess I'll take your brother to the church. And she's like, okay, never mind, then stay, right? He's manipulating her. He's, he's instantly hateable, but also he has a gravitas to him on camera. There is, uh, he's not just a, a piddly pants. You, you are compelled to watch him, I guess. You are, he is a, how do I say this? He is a good bad guy. <laughs> He's a bad guy you want to watch. He's a bad guy that you want to last the whole movie because you're you're compelled to watch him act. You're compelled to see how he's going to do, but you can't wait for the eventual justice that you know is coming his way. And we just see this, the tension of of him manhandling Chloe while the soldiers are up in her uh, upstairs having to watch this. Uh, and, and then it just kind of going from there. Of course, this is where we learn about the boy's character. He can't stay put. He does interject. It does, he does cause problems for them with his empathy, right? With his empathy for Chloe. He's not going to stand by and let, and let this girl get manhandled. So he steps up and, and we just see how this whole thing goes. And eventually what we have is we have our main character, Boyce. He ends up separated from the group and he ends up in this church castle thing um he he ends up riding a, a, like a, a deuce and a half of dead bodies by the way he climbs into one as it's being driven back in and we're thinking whoa crazy and then he gets into you would say right around the 50 minute mark of the movie is where is where our main guy Boyce gets into this house of horrors is the best way to describe it. The Nazi experimentation. He starts to find documents about how they're going to improve their soldiers. He finds syringes with this rusty red material floating around inside them. And he starts to explore further. And the things he discovers is truly horrifying. Uh, There is, I don't want to spoil all of the horrible things he discovers, but at one point, he finds essentially like a disembodied head in this lab attached to this equipment, and it's just screaming. And you go, oh my God, this movie. And it looks scary. It looks creepy. It doesn't look cheesy at all. And it's a real tonal shift from the beginning of the, of the movie to now. And uh, of course, while he's traversing this house of horrors, he finds one of his friends who was, uh, who, who of course got scattered across the countryside, as I was saying earlier. And we really go into this, and, and I know I'm not the first person to make this observation. I know it's been made by dozens of people who've seen this movie, but essentially what we're watching with Overlord is, is the uh, computer game Wolfenstein come to life, which is 
crazy Nazi experimentation, uh, monsters wearing SS uniforms. And that's what we start to discover in this movie. And it is excellent. Uh, the tension is perfect. The way it gets ramped up is great. There is awesome combat, awesome moments of tension. Um, this moment where one of the soldiers gets shot by Waffner because, you know, they, they take Waffner prisoner as a result of his, uh, <laughs> as a result of his sexual assailing of Chloe. And uh, in doing so, at one point, they get a little lack to their security. He shoots one of the guys. The guy dies. And um, in, in having returned from this House of Horrors, little preamble visit is, is Boyce. And he has this serum and he stabs the guy. And the guy fucking wakes up. He's like, oh, I feel great. And they're like, wait, you were just dead. And, and then he's not right. Things aren't right with him when he comes back to life. And you start to go, wow. This is pretty fucking cool. And it never, one of the beauties of this type of movie is that it's, it's widely accepted that Nazis um, in World War II did a lot of horrific experiments. There's plenty, of, there's plenty on record. There's, there's trials. Uh, uh, I think uh, it was some of the doctors, some of the uh, Nazi doctor trials. That, that was like a thing. Um, uh, the, um, I forget what they call it. But but there was but there was something like that, um, the uh, Mengele right jo- jo- Joseph Mengele a lot of the uh, a lot of the terrible experiments that they were doing on prisoners um, with twins they had a fascination with twins they had a fascination with taking injecting shit into people's bones um, just all kinds of terrible fucking experiments. A lot of the experiments were done on the Romani, the Sinti, ethnic Poles, Soviet POWs, disabled Germans, Jews, of course. Uh, medical torture, essentially, is what they were into. And they were, uh, they were attempting to figure out. Here's just a list on Wikipedia of things. Twin experimentation, bone muscle nerve transplantation experiment, head injury experiment, freezing experiments, malaria, immunization, epidemic jaundice, mustard gas, sulfonamide. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. Seawater experiments, sterilization, experiments with poison, incendiary bomb exposure, blood coagulation. Wow. Wow. So a lot of horrific shit uh, was done to a lot of these people uh, at the time. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's a great precedent to set a story, especially a horror story, uh, within this uh, terrible thing that, that people endured at the hands of these uh, you know, Nazi doctors. And that's what we see come to life. Uh, it, it becomes, we're in this compound the, 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 there's, a, there's a moment where they, they have to go to the compound and there's a lot of great tension in sneaking. And that's what I mean. It's not just all straight combat because it is a horror film too. So it has to retain that element. But moving through the, the church, moving through the place where they do these experiments, this is the true horror of the episode, uh, of the movie, excuse me, where we're going through cells and we hear weird noises uh, you know, slathering and growling from men locked away in these forgotten halls and in these iron doors, cement cells. And they start to go through and the horrors they discover are just incredible. And they have to contend with these horrors and they have to contend um, with going after Wafter who runs this whole thing. And and some of these soldiers are are guys who have been experimented on, right? Not just, not just the the... 
the victims, but also some of these German soldiers have been injected and turned into super soldiers, so to speak. And we see that. And um, it's wild. It makes for a very entertaining movie. It was such a surprise to me. I, 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 am, I am very happy with watching this movie. And I highly recommend it. Um, there is a great finale at the end involving Waffner, involving Ford, involving Boyce, involving Chloe. These are your four mainstays, right? Um, and it's and it's just really cool. A lot of people get moments to shine. Um, we, we don't we don't get an overabundance of staritis, right? We don't end up with Boyce as the 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 guy doing all of the cool shit. A lot of the cool shit gets spread around to some of the other characters, which was something I liked about it. Again, Wafter makes for a great villain, especially when he starts getting serums pumped into him. Um, you're on Greyjoy, and it's cool. We get a lot of uh, we get we get to spread a lot of the cool shit that happens, and it moves really quickly, and that's another good thing about it. And I think the reason it does that is because they're not always just doing the same thing over and over again. We are seeing, we, we, you know, like I said, the structure is we start, we parachute in, we move to this village, we meet this girl, ooh, intriguing. Then we we see some weird shit, ooh, that's weird. And then we meet Waffner, and and then we start learning about some of the other things going on, and, and we get tension and sneaking, and we have to destroy this, we have to blow this up, we can't let this happen. And then we got combat with German soldiers. Um, one thing they, one thing the movie does do outside of some of the character faux pas and some of the some of the just generic characterization characterizations of of the people outside of Boyce Ford and, and, and even Chloe, I guess you could say, is that the German soldiers are really kind of bumbling idiots, right? <laughs> That's they're they're um they're largely cannon fodder outside of where it becomes the um where it becomes the mission of the of of the infected people. When it becomes your fight against the monsters, not the Nazi monsters, but the the true manipulated genetically monsters. They are they're relatively bumbling, but it does make for cool action scenes and, and great sound editing and, and intense moments of guys getting dropped and uh, stuff like that. But but yeah, I mean overall, I, I definitely really enjoyed this movie. I highly recommend it. I think it was um, really fun, man. I watched it once in the theater when I thought to myself, "Oh, I have to watch Overlord for the for the real quick podcast." I didn't balk at that. I didn't say, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in doing that. I really dug it. Um, and I'm going to say I love this movie. I know that's crazy to say, but it is just a feeling. It's 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 probably, uh, I, I probably know movies I like less that are technically better, but overall entertainment value was just very high for me. I really enjoyed it. If you like survival horror, you have to also like gore. It, it is a gory flick. Um, Nazi experimentation is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, neither is uh, World War II combat. So when you combine those two elements, you know you're going to get a very uh, uh, bloody and, and, and meaty, <laughs> for lack of a better way, uh, film with lots of gore and combat. Um, but overall, balanced very well against everything else that's going in the movie. I highly recommend it. And uh, I was excited to talk to you guys about it. So there you have it. Overlord. I love it. Now, next time on the podcast, we're going to change gears a little bit, right? We're going to change gears a little bit, and uh, and we're going to get into something a little bit uh, a little bit more uh, bigger, a little bit more critically acknowledged, and we're going to talk first man. 
Uh, First Man is also a movie I had seen before, okay? So um, I did see this in the theater um, with some friends, Butters among them, and uh, Jesse, and a few others. And uh, I I have to say, this, uh, and Nate, I think we all went to see First Man, the four of us. But um, this, uh, we saw in IMAX. And uh, I really want to talk about this movie. Um, I've been thinking about watching it again, and I thought, what a great excuse to watch it again, but to cover it on the Real Quick Podcast. So that is my plan to do next. So why don't we sit back and have a listen to, and, uh, well, I'll watch it, but you guys can listen to the First Man trailer. I see the moon. The moon sees me. Down through the leaves of the old oak tree. The vehicle's not safe. We need to fail. We need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. Please let the light that shines on me. Neil, everyone's in agreement. We'd like you to command. Shine on the one I love. Mom, what's wrong? Nothing, honey. Your dad's going to the moon. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. Oh boy, there you go. That's an emotional trailer and uh, an emotional film, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Um, that is, uh, that's one that's been on my list to rewatch for a while now. Um, I'm curious as to the experience outside of IMAX. I tell you, IMAX really adds a lot to feeling the intensity of what these guys went through, but I don't want to, I don't want to spoil my first man thoughts just yet. Let's save it for the next time we are on the Real Quick Pod. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which will be for the record. So I will probably be recording this episode on Tuesday, the 26th of March and look to release it between then and uh, the 28th of March, probably going to be on the Thursday. So uh, yeah, in about a month's time on the Real Quick Pod, we will be covering First Man. Well, that's, uh, that concludes this, uh, this installment. I'm glad you guys hung out and uh, listened to me talk about Overlord. I highly recommend it. I'm looking forward to First Man next. And uh, in the meantime, thank you guys very much for supporting the show. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate that. Um, thanks for adjusting to the monthly schedule as opposed to the uh, weekly or sometimes every other week schedule I was doing there in the start. And uh, make sure you uh, check me out on the Twitters, Dean underscore LSG Media. That's Dean underscore LSG Media. Um, if you want to tweet at me, you may. Also visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net where you can see all of the shows that we have to offer. Real Quick Pod, Science Fiction Pod, I mean, Science Fiction Film Podcast, X-Files, BSG, all kinds of podcasts. Um, in April, Game of Thrones will be coming back. We have a Stranger Things podcast, so lots of podcasts. And of course, we have a membership option as well if you're interested in bonus content with a plan starting as low as five bucks a month. LibertyStreetGeek.net slash join if you want to find out that information. But thank you guys very much. Have a wonderful day. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. memory of the first time. I was attending my niece's wedding and was at the sink in the men's room when a wet spot on the front of my trousers caught my eye. An unwelcome contribution from my bladder. Fortunately, I was wearing black and with my jacket buttoned, no one would be the wiser anyway, but for me, 
I knew it was time to see a urologist. Want to laugh during life's most embarrassing moments? LSG can help. Go to libertystreetgeek.net. Podcasters will give you a reason to wet yourself.